0: If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to be pulling that out, and turning to second Corinthians chapter one. Uh, we will be there in just a moment, uh, just looking around today what a what a gift to see uh, new faces and we're so glad that you're here and I would encourage the brothers and sisters here at home. what if you would take a moment and just uh, maybe see somebody that's new or and and go and just introduce yourself to them uh, after service today and maybe they've been here 30 years and uh, that's okay it's all right Um, but uh, we want to make sure everybody feels welcome here today Uh, and speaking of being new to homewood if you are new to homewood i want to personally invite you to be a part of a class that's taking place in two weeks on october 23rd it'll be a three-week class called catch the vision uh, that's a class for uh, all of our new folks and just to help you get um, acclimated to Homewood a little bit. And also that's the way that we uh, allow you to, to place membership here as well. So we'd, we'd love for you to come to that class starting on October 23rd. Please mark your calendars for that. And then by way of announcement, the last thing I want to mention is that I want to remind you that we have just a few spots left for our upcoming marriage retreat in Rome, Georgia at the Windshape Retreat Center. Uh, once we hit our limit, unfortunately we cannot add to that number. So as a reminder, info is on our website as well as our weekly email. Uh, speaking of marriage, uh, not too long ago I found uh, a video of my engagement, our engagement uh, between Laney and I some years ago. The reason that this video has gone untouched and unwatched for so many years is because uh, back in the day uh, you couldn't just record things on your phone. Uh, you had to record things in a different way. And I decided I was gonna record the events of our engagement by myself with a handheld camera. Uh, so I got on a plane and, and, uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, flew down to Fort Lauderdale and uh, surprised Laney on the beach. And I had, uh, when I got there, I had a buddy grab the camera and, and record everything. Uh, but, but in order to watch the video, you, it was on a mini VHS, which went into a larger VHS adapter, which went into a VCR, which plugged into your TV. And everybody who's under 30 years old, I just completely lost you. But this is how you used to have to watch videos. And so it just sat there for years because, I, you know... Technology progressed and we just didn't have VCRs and all that kind of stuff anymore. Well, finally I found the video watched a little bit of it uh, not too long ago Uh, but in that video what I was reminded of was that I had this engagement ring that I was offering uh, to Laney So I went and I bought a ninety nine dollar engagement ring that had two little hearts in the middle. They were joined together uh, no diamond in the ring whatsoever, and uh, took it down there, and I, I gave it to Lainey as a as a deposit. It was a, a, a promise that hey, I want I want to marry you. Um, and for you ladies out there, I, I did let Lainey go and buy a diamond ring after the fact, that one that she liked, and we took the the cute two hearts ring back, uh, got got her ninety nine dollars back for that. The diamond was a little more the diamond was a little more expensive. Um, than the two-heart ring, um, but uh, this, this promise that I, I gave to my future wife that, hey, I want to I marry you. I want to spend my life with you. It was like this, this deposit that was guaranteeing what, what was to come. Uh, we're in week three of a series on the Holy Spirit, and the past two weeks, we've looked at the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And today I want us to consider the promise of the Holy Spirit, this deposit that's guaranteeing what is to come. And this is how Paul, the apostle, would refer to the Holy Spirit in the text. So if you have your Bibles, please be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 if you're not already there, or you can follow along on the screen. Verse 21, now it is God, Who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, verse 22, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to restore his relationship to the Corinthians. This is why he's writing. Paul's apparently poor, apparently not that great of a, of a public speaker, uh, also doesn't come with all these thrills. And so the Corinthians uh, don't think that he is, is worthy to, to bring this message because they are focusing on these superficial kind of things. And so Paul believed that that failure to achieve this reconciliation with the Corinthian church would endanger the very Christian identity of the Corinthian church. And so Paul's humility, his suffering, even his poverty was all to serve the Corinthians, which was a reflection of who? The crucified Messiah. This is the life that Jesus lived. And so what the church in Corinth has begun to see as weakness— hey, this guy is not very uh, wealthy. This guy is not a great public speaker. He doesn't have all the the thrills and the book deals and all this kind of stuff, you know. And so what they see as this superficial weakness is what Paul views as his strength in Christ. Do you follow that? And so Paul makes this bold yet concise statement in the first chapter. Christ set his seal Of ownership on us put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit and so we understand what it means to seal something you take a jar and you seal the pickles you know you lick the envelope you seal the letter Uh, you may get a notary from time to time and that's a seal on a contract to seal the deal. It declares ownership. It, it secures the contents. Sealing is the act that says, this is mine, and this is protecting. What's interesting is that this is the same Greek word that Jesus uses for himself in John 6. John chapter 6, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's walked on water, and now he's redirecting the the mindset of the people in John 6 26 Jesus answered very truly I tell you you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill you came to me for this reason verse 27 do not do not work for food that spoils he says but for food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you here it is for on him God the father has placed his seal talking about himself Of approval that word for seal is the same word that paul uses for us who are sealed by the spirit so when it comes to divine endorsement in christ you and i and jesus enjoy the same status did you catch that the the word used to describe both the seal of jesus and the seal of the christian is identical when you put on christ god sealed you with his spirit. So the enemy might tempt you. The enemy might discourage you. The enemy might even influence you for a time. But he cannot have you. Paul goes on, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5, just a couple chapters later, if you're flipping over a couple pages. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Paul would go on in the letter to the Ephesians, writing to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, when you believed, you were marked in Him with what? With a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession for what? For the praise of His glory. If you need some help just reminding yourself of your identity in Christ, I want to encourage you to, to read the first three chapters of the letter to the Ephesians. There's identity language all through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So when an engagement ring is placed on someone's hand, that's hard evidence of what? It's hard evidence of the future that's ahead. Now I realize, I've been doing marriage premarital counseling and and been in marriage ministry for long enough to know that that not all engagements work out. We all know stories of engagements that don't work out. So on on some level, this analogy of the engagement on this side of the grave kind of breaks down a little bit, because our promises and God's promises, Are not worthy of comparison, but usually this is why there becomes tension in a long-term dating relationship when the question is not popped. Some of you have smiles coming to your face because you you know that you were maybe in a situation where it took a while for that question to come, and because sooner or later somebody is going to want some evidence that the future is in motion. And one of the questions that I, I hear from time to time is, how do I know if I'm really saved? It's a question that there there's certain questions kind of in just in, in the theological conversations that come up that, that come up over and over again throughout the years. And it's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I accepted the engagement ring years ago, but now I'm not so sure. You know, how, how, do, how do I know? Uh, this past week, the family and I got to spend a few nights in Lake Toxaway, North Carolina, at a camp called Canaan Land. I appreciate us singing the song a moment ago to Canaan Land. I'm on my way, and there's actually a place in North Carolina that's called Canaan Land. Uh, the owners of the camp had a friend who used our hospital apartment ministry a few months ago, and we were able to connect and talk about this this camp and so we were able to just go and spend a few nights it was great just to be able to be in nature and and be with the family for a few days and what we didn't realize was that there was this astronomy institute as a kind of a research institute that was really close to the camp Uh, but it's been closed for the past couple years due to COVID and so it just recently opened back up and so we were able to go along with some other families, and we were able to, to be out there in the, in the dark of night, and it was uh, awesome because there was this 15-foot telescope. It took take up most of the stage, and we were just looking at these different constellations. Uh, we could see uh, galaxies, and then, and then there was at one point the astronomer put, put the, the telescope onto the planet Saturn. And this is what we saw on the screen, an actual visual of Saturn, had, had actual rings on it. And so when, when you're sitting there, you know, viewing like you're, you're looking at, at a planet and Saturn at its closest point to Earth is some 750 million miles away. Some of y'all complain about 200 miles to the beach. 750 million miles away and and you see this picture of this planet that you've read about all your life the telescope did what it guaranteed what i could not see on my own that's why you'll hear some scholars say from time to time they'll talk about the, the telos the, the telos of history it is what's the end game, what's to come, what, what's, what are we looking at down the road? Max Locato would say it this way, part of the anxiety over salvation or the lack of assurance has to do with not comprehending the significance of the indwelling spirit of God. Learning about the Spirit won't immediately resolve each fear or suddenly overwhelm a person with joyous assurance, but it is an important consideration, and it begins with this gospel news. The Spirit, who speaks in the living and written Word, who intercedes, who discerns, who unleashes new creation life, who creates a new people and a new orientation shaped by loving others— is God's first installment in you and in me of the gift of eternal life. God is good. God can be trusted. God will make good on his promise to complete our redemption. In other words, if you have the Spirit dwelling in you, then eternal life is in your future. First takeaway today that I want us to consider is that The Spirit, as a deposit, calls us to be more eternally minded. Eternally minded about our bodies and our circumstances. So several years ago, a man named Harry Adams wrote an article for the Dallas Theological Seminary. And in that article he said, recently my wife and daughter and I were reading Psalm 37. When we came to the fourth verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I asked if this was true for me. I'm crippled by ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a progressive and fatal neurological illness. In the eight years that I've had ALS, it's taken my voice, it's robbed me of the use of my limbs. It's also forced us out of our lovely home. Is the promise of fulfilled desires true for me and for the millions of other believers who have had their plans and dreams shattered? Here's what Mr. Adams writes. Yes, it's true, exceedingly so. I desire a healthy body, and he promises me a body that's powerful, incorruptible, glorious, and spiritual. I desire a home that is beautiful and spacious, and he is preparing such a home for me in a city whose builder is God. I desire a world without crime, lies, or violence, and he promises me a world where righteousness dwells. I desire to be with those that I love, and he promises that I will be caught up together with them forever." I desire an end to my sorrow, and he promises me the fullness of joy in his presence. I desire a heart so filled with love that there's no room for sin, and he promises to make me like Jesus. I desire a ministry, and he promises I will serve him eternally. I desire a voice with which to praise him, and he promises I will sing before his throne. Most of all, I desire to see him. And he promises, I will always behold his face. He will keep his promise to give me the desires of my heart. Harry Adams, in the midst of his struggle with ALS. The Spirit calls us to be more eternally minded, to look through the telescope and to see. On the other hand, the Spirit as a deposit... Helps us keep the now in perspective, amen. And so, if we're not careful, when God, through His Spirit, does something amazing in our life, something that we can see with our own eyes, we can get stuck there instead of realizing that this is just a deposit. And so, the Spirit really keeps us from a couple different forms of idolatry from making an idol out of the moments when things don't turn out the way that I've been praying for them to turn out. What tends to happen? When things don't turn out the way that I've been praying for them to turn out, we, we tend to turn toward bitterness or we tend to turn toward disappointment, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, a failed job, a failed marriage, a wayward relative, a health concern. And can I just challenge us today, church, that if you're stuck in bitterness and disappointment, that you will consider the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come, even though it seems as far away as Saturn. And the second thing that the Spirit keeps us from from in terms of a form of idolatry, is it keeps us from another form seeing something amazing and thinking, well, that's great, but that's all there is. And incredible as uh, the resurrection of Lazarus was when he was raised from the dead, can you imagine that day? And aren't you thankful that Jesus called him by name and said, Lazarus, come forth, Because if Jesus would not have called him by name, everybody would have come walking out of the tomb. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. But can you imagine the reality that Lazarus had to die again? I mean, talk about the raw end of the deal. He had to die again. It was amazing, but because people of faith came through it and and people came to faith through it and, and talk about this reality that had to set in for Lazarus, which leads us to the second takeaway. And that is the spirit as a deposit calls us to prayerfully look for evidence of the kingdom to come in the present moment. So if the, if the spirit of God is a deposit, there's the potential for you to experience small doses of the kingdom of heaven on earth. A deposit that we put down is not the whole thing. So if you put a deposit down on your home, you know, you don't own the home. The bank owns your home. But you get the privilege of living in your home because you've put down a deposit and you're making payments on it. And so that, that deposit does, it says something. It, it lets you know that hey, you, you get to experience this now. A few years ago, this church uh, paid off the, the mortgage of this, this building, and I, I can just tell you, it. it I, I remember walking in here the, the Sunday after we paid it off, and it just felt a little different. <laughs> Especially those of you've been around for a long time. You know, to be indebted to this this facility for for 40 years, and and to be able to walk in and and to not have that anymore. That there's this deposit that does something. It, it fulfills something. It fulfills a purpose, but it's not. It's not the end game. So we get this measure of peace, this measure of joy, this measure of love and healing and authority over sin this side of the grave as it is in heaven. Matthew twelve twenty eight. Jesus says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Did you connect those two? Did you connect the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God? The Spirit brought a reality of the kingdom to come in that man's life in Matthew chapter 12. Luke 11, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for what? To pray for the kingdom to come. And then he says in Luke 11, 9, so I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds the one who knocks the door will be opened he says ask in the context of the prayer that he just taught his disciples to pray so I know that some of us have that bumper sticker or we have that maybe posted on our refrigerator, ask, and we'll be, but you have to read it in the context of, of what Jesus is saying. He's saying it in the context of, of the prayer. He's saying, ask in this context of your kingdom coming. Give us daily bread because what? There's no hunger in heaven. Forgive us. Why? Because there's no division in heaven ask in the context of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, it's not, hey, ask and whatever you ask that you're going to have, like, help me win the lottery, ask and you shall receive. Like, that's not the context of what Jesus is saying when he says, ask and you shall receive. And then this one translation paraphrases, if your little boy asks for a serving of a fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? That would not go well in my house. As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. And don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? Now, wait a minute. Why didn't Jesus mention the Holy Spirit in his prayer? I mean, if he's he's teaching his disciples how to pray why didn't he mention the holy spirit in his prayer watch this when you're praying this prayer it's another way of asking for the work of the holy spirit it's by the power of the spirit that these things have come to pass why because the spirit is a deposit of what's to come and so why am I doing this series? Why, why do I feel like we, we need to explore this even further? Is because if you're going to help those who are suffering, if you're going to help minister to those who are in need, as Willie prayed just a few moments ago at the beginning of our service, then it's going to happen in the power of the Spirit. If you're seeking reconciliation, it will only happen in the power of the Spirit, If you want to experience what it means to be forgiven, if you're going to seek to overcome temptation, to be set free from destructive patterns and habits, yes, within community and with accountability, it's going to happen in the power of the Spirit. This is the way of Christ. And the last time that you've been sitting around, I mean, I know sometimes in small groups and even maybe sometimes in Bible classes, or I know the, the shepherds gather every month, and we do this, and we, we go around, and we, we just ask, does anybody have any prayer requests? When's the last time you've been sitting in a circle and asked, hey, does anybody have any prayer requests? And somebody raised their hand and said, the Holy Spirit. It d- hasn't happened in my circle. Now, today, because of the sermon, I'm sure it'll happen in my Connect group that somebody will be listening and and say, Yes, I want the Holy Spirit. But, church, I can have the Spirit, but I can also ask for the Spirit. So, we hold both the Spirit as a deposit calling us to be eternally minded, and the Spirit as a deposit calling us to recognize that eternity begins now. We need both. We need the Spirit for breakthroughs to happen, and then we need the Holy Spirit to sustain us when the breakthroughs don't happen. And we need to be reminded in the present moment that there's more to come. Can you and I live there? Can we live on that edge? Paul would say in Romans 8, a passage that I hope to revisit here in a few weeks, Romans eight twenty two patiently catch this in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God church the message of the gospel and the voice of the spirit is telling us at different points in our life that this moment isn't all there is So we keep praying, we keep pushing, we keep moving forward, we keep breathing. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Some of you mamas who have experienced that in childbirth, keep pushing, keep praying. I mean, I was praying the whole time when I was in that hospital room, and I feel very uncomfortable talking about childbirth as a man from the stage, but I was praying the whole time. Keep praying, keep pushing, keep moving. There's pain and it's messy, but there's also new life coming. By God's grace, you'll have moments of breakthrough on this side of the grave, but it's just a deposit. So keep pushing. Keep praying, keep moving forward, push and breathe. Let's pray. And so Father, we ask in the power of your spirit that you'll water what's been sown today. God, we thank you that by your grace, you have given us a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, this deposit of what's to come. And Father, we, we don't have all the, the answers of how that works, but we, we, hold, we hold both. We hold the, the Spirit as a deposit that's guaranteeing what's to come, and so we, we become more eternally minded, not so fixated on our, our, our earthly bodies, and, and we, but at the same time, we also hold the Spirit as a deposit of the kingdom in the here and now. So God, I pray that we'll do both as a church. That we'll hold both. We're thankful for the Spirit that sustains us We're thankful for the Spirit that gives us life. We pray that we will remember the promise, not just the presence and the power, but the promise of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for those in this room that are just in need of a fresh wind, as we sang a moment ago. Father, we we pause for just a moment to lift before you our own circumstance or the circumstance of another before you. God, we thank you that often you speak in the stillness in the still small voice. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. We pray that in Jesus' good name. Amen.